Hello, I'm Pastor Jacob Aranza, and welcome to Church at Home. And on behalf of all six of our pastors from each one of our campuses, we want to thank you for joining us. As many of you know, we begin this Sunday at the Lafayette campus. We've done that because we know that many of you are ready to come back, while others in our community and other parts of our region are not quite ready. But we want you to know that as you come back, we're going to be safe, we're going to be secure, and we're going to be sanitary. We're going to be practicing social distancing and doing all the things that the government is asking us to do to declare the power of the cross over COVID-19 and freedom from the pandemic that we've walked through over these past several months. Today, I want to take a moment and talk to you about a disease that's affecting the world. As a matter of fact, it's not only affecting the world, it's affecting all of our country as well. It's not a new disease. As a matter of fact, it is as old as the Garden of Eden in this book. You might ask, well, what disease are you talking about, Pastor? Surely you're not talking about the coronavirus. No, it's much more dangerous than the coronavirus. As a matter of fact, it lasts much longer and affects more people and is far more deadly. That's right. You're probably asking, what disease is this? That it could be that dangerous and that contagious? Well, here's the top five causes of death in America. Number one, 647,000 people die each year from heart disease. Second leading cause of death, 620,000 people die each year from cancer. Third leading cause, 169,000 die each year from accidents. 160,000 die each year from respiratory disease. And then finally, 146,000 die each year from strokes and cerebral vascular disease. And while each loss of a loved one is heartbreaking, the disease I want to talk to you about today is a disease that you can only acquire if you choose to. You might ask, who in the world would choose to have a terrible disease like that? Sadly, many of us have chosen it. But here's the good news. If you choose to get it, you can choose to get rid of it as well. Our Bible study today begins with Jesus teaching his disciples about this terrible disease. In Luke 17, as they're gathered around, Jesus says this. And Jesus says to his disciples, stumbling blocks, some translations say offenses, and temptations and traps are set to lure one to, come on, say it with me, to sin, and are sure to come. One translation says, it is impossible, but that offenses come. Jesus said very few things were impossible. One of the things he said was, it was impossible that these stumbling stones, these offenses, not come. But woe, judgment is coming to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone as large as one turned by a donkey were hung around his neck and he were hurled into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble in sin and lose their faith. Pay attention, Jesus says, and always be on guard, looking out for one another. If your brother sins and disregards God's precepts, solemnly warn him, and if he repents and changes, forgive him. And even if he sins against you seven times a day and returns seven times and says, I repent, 
You must forgive him. And then he qualifies that. That is, give up the resentment and consider the offense recalled and annulled. When Jesus said that, the apostles looked at the Lord and said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our ability to confidently trust in God's power and to trust in God. And the Lord said, if you have confident abiding faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, which has very strong roots, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea. And if the request was in agreement with the will of God, it would have obeyed you. And now, as soon as Jesus finishes this teaching, he immediately, in chapter 17, verse 12, encounters a village. Listen to what it says. And he entered in a village, and they were, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. It's no accident that these two stories are connected to one another. Because unforgiveness that is held on to, offense that is held on to, becomes spiritual leprosy. What was Jesus teaching us in this passage? What was he warning us about in this passage? What was he describing to the disciples that we would one day look at is this horrific disease of spiritual leprosy called unforgiveness. Here's what he was teaching us. Number one, it's impossible to go through life and not be offended. That's right. There are going to be traps sent by the enemy. There are going to be stumbling stones sent by the enemy. And do you know who he uses? He uses people. It would be amazing if, if when a temptation came, when someone was going to offend us or hurt us, we looked at them and instead of it being Susie or John or T-Boy or your friend or someone at school or your ex, it would be great if all of a sudden they manifested and they had horns and a pitchfork and we could look and say, that's the devil. But it never comes that way. That is why he says, be on guard. It's going to come. It's impossible that they not come, but be on guard. It's impossible for them not to happen. Here's the second thing that Jesus says. Forgiveness is not rooted in my faith in people. It's rooted in my faith in God. In Luke 17, verse 4, let me remind you of what it says again. Even if they sin against you seven times a day. Now, wait a moment. Okay, let's just, not, just skip over that. That means the same person does the same thing to me seven times in a row. Hey, if that happens and they're not a toddler, I have issues. And then returns seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. That is, give up resentment and consider the offense recalled and annulled. What was he saying? The apostles then look at him and say, Lord, increase our faith. What is Jesus teaching us? You see, the disciples, after hearing this, didn't say, Lord, increase our forgiveness, our capacity to forgive. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Why? Because if someone is going to offend me, if I'm going to live with someone that's going to hurt me, if I'm related to somebody that's going to constantly offend me, if I'm working with someone who keeps doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over, I need another source and another capacity. And the capacity to forgive 
comes the same place we receive the capacity to be forgiven. It's faith. Why did Jesus say this? Because it takes faith in God to forgive others. Not faith in people. Faith in God. That's why the disciples said that. Here's the third thing Jesus was teaching them. Only the forgiven can truly forgive. That's right. He looked at where they were, and he likened where they were to a mustard seed. And then he looked at a mulberry tree. And I wish I could show you the roots of a mulberry tree. They're horrific. They're ugly. They're gnarly. They're large, and they're deep. But Jesus said, if you will obey me, and if by faith you will not only receive my forgiveness, but give forgiveness to others, you will understand that only the forgiven can truly forgive. What do you mean? I mean, God gave forgiveness to me so he can give forgiveness through me. You see, he's the source. I'm not. Everything I have is limited. My years on earth are limited. My resources financially are limited. The time that I can stay awake is limited. I only have 24 hours during the day. Everything about you and me as human beings is limited. But everything about him is unlimited. And he has unlimited grace to forgive me. Therefore, he will give me unlimited grace to forgive others because he's the source. I'm not. Pastor, what do I do when I get to the place where I can't forgive anymore? Go back to the source. Go back to the source. Here's the next thing Jesus was teaching. Number four, it's not my love for others that empowers me to forgive them. It's my love for God. It's my love for God. When I can't forgive others, it's not because I can't forget what they've done to me. It's because I've forgotten what I have done to God and to others. Because the same cross that I went to to ask for all of my sin to be forgiven, and that same cross where I believe that Jesus fully paid for all of my sin, is the same cross that I go to to gain strength and to lay down the hurts and offenses of others who have forgiven or need to be forgiven by me. Here's the fifth thing. Forgiveness is not an option. It's obedience to Jesus. That's right. It's not an option. You're, you're not a hero when you forgive. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. C.S. Lewis once walked into a debate. He was late for the debate as usual. Several different religions were arguing over which God was the true God, which religion was the true religion. And they looked at him and said, Mr. Lewis, what is the uniqueness of Christianity? And he just off the top of his head, so it's easy. Grace. Grace is what sets us apart. Grace as a child of God is what sets us apart. The fact that we have been forgiven of the unthinkable and the horrific so we can forgive the unthinkable and the horrific in others. The beginning of our message, Jesus went from a lesson on forgiveness to healing 10 lepers. 10 is not only the number of testing, but 
But as you and I both know, nothing is ever by accident. God brought these two stories together in the Word of God in Luke 17 to show us something. What was he showing us? That leprosy and unforgiveness are the same disease. One is physical and the other is spiritual. I want to give you a medical definition of exactly what leprosy does to a person that's infected by it. It affects their skin, their nerves. It affects their hands, their feet, and their eyes. Medical professionals say if it's untreated, it can cause deformities of the hands and of the feet, blindness of the eyes, and ultimately kidney failure. This is what unforgiveness does to us as well. First, it affects our nerves. You, you know, people that are easily offended, they can't ever forgive anyone. They, they, they're easily touchy. They're touchy. Things bother them. If you say something to them, if you don't answer them correctly, if you don't answer immediately, they're easily offended. Here's the next thing. It affects their hands. You see, unforgiveness affects everyone you touch. Have you been around people who are just bitter and resentful? Do you know what the word resent means? It means to relive. And when you get around them and they touch you, they immediately begin reliving. Oh, look what's happening on the news. Oh, look what's the riots in the street. Oh, look what this person doing. Oh, look what that's doing. They are affected and they affect every single thing that they touch. It's contagious. Here's the third thing. It affects your feet. In other words, you can't even go around people that hurt you or offend you. Can I tell you what one of the greatest joys in life is? Is to be able to walk into any grocery store or any building or any restaurant and know that you can embrace anyone. Because though they may have something in their heart against you, you have nothing in your heart against them. There's a French proverb that says, there is no pillow so soft as a pure conscience. You see, real forgiveness is giving up the right to hurt you for hurting me. So even while they may be holding on to something that says, I want to hurt you, you're doing just the opposite and releasing them. Here's the fourth thing. It causes blindness. You know what I'm talking about. When that person's name comes up, when you see that person, when you see their name even written on something, you immediately go right back to the offense. You don't even see them. All you see is the stumbling block that the enemy sent through them to hurt you or someone that you love. Here's the fifth thing. Lepers were required to stay at a distance. They couldn't get within 100 yards of anyone healthy. They had to yell out, unclean! That's why the Bible says in this story they stood at a distance. The fifth thing it does is unforgiveness keeps you standing at a distance from people. You, you, if that's you, you, you may think, I'm standing at a difference, Pastor, because I don't want to be hurt. Listen carefully. All people are going to hurt you. You just have to decide who's worth suffering for. If you're married, your mate will hurt you. If your children will hurt you. If you have relatives, they will hurt you. But the reality is, there's something worse than being hurt. What's worse than being hurt 
is holding on to that offense to where it grows and becomes like leprosy is. Leprosy is a disease that causes sores to remain open. They never heal. You see, when I forgive someone, what happened to me in the past can be a scar. But if I don't forgive, it becomes that open wound, that leprous wound. Finally today, I want to share with you four biblical steps to forgiving others. Four biblical steps to forgiving others. Number one, remember who you need to forgive. Now, let me just tell you this. The Holy Spirit, ever since I started speaking about offense and unforgiveness and a stumbling stone and seeing someone's face when you think of, of whatever it was, that pain, as soon as that happens, the Holy Spirit started bringing that person to your mind. Yeah, they're there. The Holy Spirit loves you enough, and it's His job. It's His job to remind you. For those of you that might be a little old school like me, you remember in the 60s, 70s, 80s, they used to have these recruiting posters all over for the service, armed services, and it would say, Uncle Sam wants you, and it was a finger like this, and no matter where you stood, the finger was pointing straight at you. The whole time I've been preaching this message, the Holy Spirit has put his finger on the spiritual leprosy in your life. And he's reminding you, why? He's called the Holy Spirit because his job is to keep you holy. His job is to remove things that become a barrier between you and God and you and others that love you and you love. Remember who you need to forgive. Here's the second thing you need to do. Repent. Yeah. Repent. You say, Pastor, why should I repent? They, they hurt me. I repent because I've asked God to forgive me of my sin. And what a hypocrite I would be to go to the cross, to get on my knees, and to ask God to forgive me while at the same time being unwilling to offer the same grace that's been given to me in forgiveness to release that to others. I am forgiven, and that's what empowers me to forgive others. Here's the third thing. Release them. You say, well, Pastor, do you think I want to drag them around with me? I, I'm reminded of a young lady who was captured a number of years ago. She and another young lady as teenagers were captured by a couple. They were actually held as physical slaves and abused in every way imaginable. By God's mercy and grace, someone found them. They were freed. I remember a year after the ordeal, the morning program said, on such and such a morning, this lady will be on who was captured and she was in, in, in a cage for two years and abused and, and she'll be speaking. And I thought, what in the world is she going to say? Not only was she speaking, she was, she'd written a book. And as she began telling her story, 
during the time that she was imprisoned by this couple. She had a child from this man. In other words, every time she looked at this child, she was reminded of what she'd experienced. And as you could see, just a freedom in her, just a joy in her. Finally, the interviewer looked at her and said, how could you forgive a man that did all of this to you? And here's what she said. I gave him two years of my life. I will give him no more. You see, forgiveness not only releases them, forgiveness releases you. You say, but pastor, I don't feel that. Have you ever asked God to forgive you for something you've done that you knew was a sin? said, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry that I did that. The moment you did that, you trusted the promise of God's word in 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sin, he was faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you said, I ask God to forgive me. And by faith, I believe that I'm forgiven. That's exactly the same way that you forgive others. We're forgiven by faith so that we can forgive and release others by faith. And that's why the disciples said when Jesus spoke about forgiving over and over and over and over and over. One time he said 49 times. They said, increase our faith. Here's the fourth thing. Renew your mind towards these people by praying for them and speaking forgiveness and a blessing over them. That's right. Do you know when you're going to really gain ground on the enemy and reverse tables on what the enemy wanted to do, where he brought someone into your life to bring you pain, he brought someone that you might resent and relive it every time you see the pain of what's been caused to you or someone that you love? You know when you turn tables on the enemy? When every time they come up, you by faith release them and pray for them and now you're renewing your mind concerning them and you're praying for God's best for them and you're not mad at them you're mad at the enemy that's used them and that has bound them the Bible says the God of this world has blinded people like that and that you have the opportunity in that moment to say I am renewing my mind by praying for them and by blessing them you see I don't do this because they deserve it. I do this because I deserve to be free. You do this because you deserve to be free. And just like that girl who'd been captured for two years, I gave them two years of my life. I will give them no more. Today, who who do you need to forgive? Who who do you need to release and to repent for holding on to something in your heart? Who do you need to renew your mind towards by praying for them? I remind you again, you can't be reconciled to man until you're first reconciled to God. Until you're reconciled to God. Today, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer to remember and then to repent and then to release these people, whoever it may be. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Yeah. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. 
Someone said, forgiveness is giving up the right to hurt you for hurting me. Some of you are hurting you because of things you've done. You cannot forgive yourself. Would you just bow with me right where you are? Right where you are. In your living room with the children around you, children on your lap, if you're by yourself, wherever you are. And would you repeat this gentle, sincere prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I know the individuals you've brought to my mind. Today I remember them. Lord, I repent for carrying them with me, for embracing this leprosy, for allowing an open sore of leprosy in my mind, in my spirit, and in my heart. Forgive me for not forgiving others when you've forgiven me of the unthinkable. Today, by faith, I release them. Come on, say that. By faith, I release them. The same way I believe that I'm forgiven, by faith, I release them by faith. And if I, I pray for them, touch them, help them, deliver them, set them free, and I bless them right now. I bless them that all that you want for them, all that the enemy has kept them from, all that the God of this world has blinded their eyes from, I pray for them. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. Now today, I trust that God has spoken to you and that you've received as a born-again child of God the grace of God and some insight to realize even though Jesus said it's impossible that offenses not come, it is possible for you not to live with them. Today, maybe you're here and you're watching today and you've never been born again. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? You see, until I am spiritually alive, I do not have the capacity to forgive others. My birthday is June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971. When I prayed with an African-American counselor in a chemistry lab in Jackson Junior High, that day as a 14-year-old, I asked Christ to come and to be the ruler of my life. I asked him to forgive me of my sin, and I repented that day and said, I hate the way that I've been. I surrender myself. You become the ruler and king of my life. That day I was born again. Have you been born again? Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a man or woman is born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. He said unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Today, you can be born again if you're not. How do I do that, Pastor? A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. You see, somebody's going to die for your sin, 
Either you will or he did. See, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to be born again. The moment you do that, the old you dies and a new you is spiritually raised from the dead. And the scripture says that the same spirit which raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. It will give life to your physical body. Do you want to be born again today? If so, would you just pray with me right where you are right now? Just right where you are right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me. Come on, repeat that. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. I can't wait to see you soon. If you prayed to be born again with Pastor Jacob, congratulations. We believe that you have just made the greatest decision of your life. We would love to help you with what your next steps look like. All you have to do is text the word Connect OSC to 41411 and someone from our team will reach out to you. Finally, thank you for your continued faithful giving and generosity during this crucial time. If you are partnering with us, you can do so in one of three ways. You can text OSC family to the number 77977. You can go on OurSaviorsChurch.com and click on give, or you can mail into the address on the screen. Don't forget, every evening you can join us on Facebook Live at 7.14 p.m. to hear from our campus pastors. You can also follow us on social media, and we will keep you updated on our other campuses reopening. Thank you again. God bless, and we'll see you next week.